0: I want to I start out by giving you a testimony um, of a, of a well known, you don't know him, back in the 1800s, Quaker minister. So I want to read this to you because I think it's powerful and kind of, it'll set up the idea of the harvest and why we need to understand and, and get deep down the, the, the purpose of the harvest and why we are such a critical part of the harvest. He's one of the best known French Quaker ministers of the early 1800s. His name was Stephen Grelett. He traveled extensively and preached to thousands. One day, he was in prayer. He felt that God was calling him to take a long journey into the American backwoods to preach to the woodcutters. Woodcutting was an isolated profession, like working on an offshore oil rig today. And Grelet heard God's voice speaking to him, go back there and preach to those lonely men. So filled with compassion and a sense of the Spirit's guidance, Grelet left his family to visit the backwoods. He was drawn to a specific spot in the woods, a place he had visited before, and he felt confident that God was calling him there again. He felt peace when he arrived at the woodcutter camp. But as he looked around, he soon realized that no one was there. It was abandoned days ago. And all the woodcutters had moved into the forest and and, and they moved out and they wouldn't be back for weeks. Grellit thought that he made a mistake and maybe he was at the wrong location. But a voice within him said, no, this is exactly where you're you're supposed to be. He prayed silently, asking God for guidance. The response was, give your message. It's not yours, it's mine. So at this abandoned camp, there was one large wooden hut that stood out. Grellett stepped inside and made his way to the back, turned around facing the entrance and began to preach. He preached as if the place were packed with hundreds of people. He spoke about the love of God and is the greatest thing in the world. He spoke about how sin builds a wall between human beings and God, but this wall of sin is broken down in Jesus Christ. He spoke about how the love of God triumphs over all. And after preaching his message, Grellett was exhausted. He drank some water from a nearby stream and ate a bit of bread he carried in his pocket, then began the long journey back home. He never saw any woodcutters that day, yet he felt peace in his spirit. He felt certain that he'd been faithful in what God had given him to do. Years later, and thousands of miles away, Stephen Grell is crossing the London Bridge wearing his distinctive Quaker outfit and broad-brimmed hats, and all of a sudden, someone grabs him by the arm and says, there you are. I found you at last. Grellet was surprised and probably a little nervous to have this gruff stranger grabbing him and making accusations. I think you must have the wrong person," he said. "Absolutely not," said the stranger. "I've been looking for you across the globe, and I'm not mispa- mistaken. You're the man from the woods." It turns out that Stephen Grellet wasn't entirely alone that day when he visited the woodcutter's camp. The man standing before him tells him about how he returned to the camp looking for a tool he had left behind, and as he was retrieving it, he heard Grelet's voice booming from the hidden the wooden hut at the center of the camp. And as Grelet spoke, the lone woodcutter watched through cracks in the walls, and he found that the gospel message pierced through the cracks of his heart. And by the time Stephen Grelet left the camp. This man's life had been changed forever. And after hearing Grellet's message, the man felt convicted of the sin that was separating him from the love of God. But eventually he got a hold of a Bible and began discovering the way of Jesus. And at first, the other woodcutters made fun of him. But the man's faith was infectious. He said, I told the men all about the gospel, just like you. I gave them no peace till everyone was brought home to God. Three of them went out to preach to other districts. Thousands have been brought home to the Good Shepherd by that one sermon of yours which you preached to nobody. Yeah. A little bit of a golf clap. That's OK. <laughs> we'll get you going. We'll get you to understand. Yeah. See, that's the power of the gospel reaching the harvest. One saved thousands, one, actually nobody, right? That's the harvest. The harvest is people waiting to hear the gospel, waiting to experience the love and power of God, waiting for you and I. We are left on this earth for one main purpose, my friends. We live here in the year 2019 to share the good news of the kingdom before Jesus comes again. You've been strategically placed in northern Michigan to reach certain people that only you have been called to reach with your personality, with your experience, with your gifts and talents. The harvest is the reason we exist. So let me give you the, our staple verse for this series, which is out of Matthew nine thirty-five through thirty-eight. And by the way, you can you, you, you bring your Bibles. Bring your tablets, bring your phones. On your tablet, you can go to you version. All of these, these verses are on there anytime you want them. All that stuff, we've got notes out there too as well, trying to get you as much as you need. But Matthew nine thirty five to 38 says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field." Let me just pray a moment. Lord, I just thank you, God, that this message and this message series gets deep into our hearts, God. I pray, God, that our hearts would understand and our minds would understand the harvest. People waiting and ready to hear our testimony, the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he changed our lives. They're there. God, show us, lead us in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, look all around you today, if you can. Just kind of turn your head a little bit. And just look all around at all the wonderful people. <laughs> I know you do a little work here this morning. Just take a look at them. You can smile if you want to. It's church, you know. We love each other. We're family. I know it's early. You got to get your coffee early. Um, you're looking at the search and rescue team of Northern Michigan. You're looking at the search and rescue team of northern Michigan, armed with love and power, an elite group of people chosen by God to seek and save the lost, to set the captive free, to declare the good news. See, some call this an end time harvest. A time when God's spirit is poured out in a greater measure. Prodigal sons and daughters coming home. Supernatural signs and wonders pointing to God himself. But I believe the harvest is here. Because there's no time for waiting, but only time for reaping. crickets. There's, there's no time for waiting, only time for, I know what you're thinking, man. I, I didn't think that Christianity was going to be work. I'll say that in a moment again, but I want to say it then right now. See, many are waiting for revival. Please see this. Many are waiting for revival when God is compelling us to create revival. Just gotta change our thinking. That's how we're transformed. We're transformed by we, we're changing our thoughts. Well, I thought, wait, I thought that something was gonna come down from heaven, and boom, he did. Jesus <laughs> came down from heaven, and boom, and all of a sudden, he says, now it's harvest time. So I would say many are waiting for revival when God's compelling us to create revival right here in our hometown. See, I love the idea of mission trips. They are life-altering. I think everyone needs to go on one. But we need to go on missions trips right down the street. We need to go on a mission trip to our neighbor, our marriage, our family, our workplace, in the restaurant, because the harvest is ready. Just had a friend tell me the other day he was, he was heading, he had to go to the bank because he needed to give some money to a guy, he owed some money, owed some money to some guy. So he got the money from, from the bank, but he thought I'd take a little, little break and go grab something to eat. So he goes into a restaurant, and all of a sudden the, the Spirit of God tells him to give that money from his pocket to a, a waitress. Didn't know why. He thought, hmm. Okay, I'm sure he sat there for a while and made sure it was God. But uh, he eventually pulled the money out. Here you go. Here you go. Walked out. She comes out, or they meet briefly, and she says, you're not gonna believe this, but my car's been broken down, and this money is gonna help me go right after work, get my car, get it fixed, She's a single mom, didn't know that, single mom. And he also gets to share with her Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Because the harvest is here. So what's the challenge? The challenge many times can be fear of rejection, feeling unqualified, or just being lethargic or lazy. All of those will block revival. All will hinder the harvest. All can bring a halt to purpose. And when lethargy comes over the church, then the church has lost its purpose, lost its passion, and then people slip through the cracks. But I wanna be different. I want this church to be different. God loves this church, He's got a purpose for this church. This church has a destiny to reach people for Jesus. This church has a calling to see people set free by the power of God. God knows it, I know it, I want you to believe it. We exist for the harvest. Amen, all right, get going, all right. We exist for the harvest. Now I'll say this before, but, but if you think about it, The four pillars of the church, the four pillars of the church is this. It is, the four pillars is worship, which is worship is just a lifestyle of serving God. Worship, the word, the word, right? Worship, the word. The word needs to be taught and preached. Today, fellowship we need to get together. Come on. We need to serve God and each other. We need, to, we need to hear the word and read the word, and we need to get together. You know what the fourth pillar is? Evangelism. Do you realize that that fourth pillar is not in heaven because everyone's saved? We don't, we don't need evangelism when we get to heaven. Everyone's in heaven. Hello, come on. So that's why it's so important and critical on this earth to Understand evangelism, but let me take the pressure off let me say it again. Because I know what you might be thinking. I didn't know this was going to be work. <laughs> I didn't know that following Jesus was going to, well, it's work, but it's the most fulfilling work you will ever do. And it's actually pretty simple, pretty simple. And I want to show you how, because I want, to, I want to take the pressure off, because the harvest is already being prepared. The Holy Spirit is already doing the work to prepare people's hearts. Please hear that. I am so amazed by the sovereignty of God. Story after story of God setting up moments to impact people for Jesus. Every Monday, we try to do what call the Monday Motivations, about a half an hour teaching, five or six o'clock whenever we're ready. But we try, to, we try to do a teaching. Now, when I first started putting my face on TV, I didn't like it. I'm like, I'm not getting my face on there. I have more of a radio face, and I'm good with that. But listen, Emily's got a TV face. But listen, I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it because maybe God can reach someone. Well, that turned into you know, a more consistent teaching together um, on a regular basis, I had no idea that one day that teaching would go all the way across the globe and reach someone in the UK. I had no idea that, that all of a sudden this person connected with us for whatever reason and they they are growing in God. They didn't even go, they don't go to church, but they're growing in God because of that simple thing that I thought preaching to nobody. That's all it is, you guys. It's the sovereignty of God. The Holy Spirit is already going ahead of us to prepare the harvest. Look at John six forty four. John 6, says, it's the only way people come to me is by the Father who sent me. He pulls on their hearts to embrace me and those who are drawn to me, I will certainly raise up in the last day. Oh man, God is drawing people. They're ready. We need the Holy Spirit. He's the one changing hearts right now. We just need to jump in to what he's already doing. We don't have to wait for revival. We can create it. We can create it, you guys. I often wonder how Jesus picked his disciples. By the way, they were pulled from the marketplace. Very interesting, he didn't, he didn't necessarily go to church and pick them out, you know. I thought if I was going to pick disciples, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick a great man of God like Andrew Mikasa right off the bat. I'm going to find the, the top lawyer, the, the the person that's the 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 philanthropist. I'm going to go to town and pick all these these amazing people. And, and but God, Jesus didn't. He went. He goes. I'll, I'll take a tax collector who is worse than a sinner. I'll take all these people that 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 didn't necessarily grow up in the church. He went through the marketplace. That's so important. He was in the marketplace and he found his disciples in the marketplace. See, it's easy to go to church and get, it, this is a safe place. It should be, right? Safe. Come on, I can learn to lift up my hands, you know, and, and thank God and be around each other and talk the same language. And that's great, but we're really only here for a few hours a week. No, in other words, our ministry is in the marketplace. <laughs> that's where it's at. And that is where Jesus is gonna raise up brand new disciples, brand new people just waiting to hear the gospel. But how did Jesus do it? I believe the Father was pulling on their hearts. Jesus was simply walking through the marketplace and God illuminated the disciples. Say illuminated That's when the light bulb goes, that's when you're like, you're you're, you're around people. You're like, ha, there's something about that person. I don't know what it is. I just, I am drawn to that. But you ever been there? You're like, I'm drawn to that person. That's God illuminating. That's God illuminating someone. A moment right there, a sovereign act of God saying, hey, step in there. The time is right. It's right, right? They need prayer. They're hurting. Get in there right now. These disciples were not part of the religious community. They were business owners, tax collectors, tent builders, broken and lost, but they were drawn by the Father. They are already out there. We just need to see who God is illuminating because those who are illuminating are ripe for the harvest. They are broken but open. They are hurting But hungry. They are trapped, but tender. They are ready. The question is are we ready? Are we ready? I say yes, yes. Because God needs a messenger, a worker, a preacher to deliver the news to those God has prepared. Do you, read, you know, do you know what my, my job, uh, what I'm supposed to do here? My description is is that I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to disciple people through the word teaching, having a church that offers different places to serve or small groups or events. These are things that the church does in order to equip you for the work of the ministry. <laughs> But we, we get it wrong with we you well that it, it's the it's the guy or the leaders up front that do all the work. That's really what happens. That's the wrong model, my friends. That should never happen. That's that that won't do anything or much for the for, for the world. But what God says, no, no. When I look out, I see pastors. Come on, I see pastors all over. I see teachers, I see apostles, oh man, people that start works. Like, I got a great idea. I see prophets right here in this place, and I see evangelists. Right? Come on. You know, you know what gives me great joy? You know what gave me great joy was to, was to be at the Trunk or Treat uh, event and just kind of sit back. I love getting involved, talking to people. I can just sit back and think, man, look at this amazing team. Look at these people. Look at what they're doing, loving on people. Yes, I believe that love thro- th- uh, flows through candy. I do believe that. But look at what's happening. The greatest joy that I get is when I can sit back and see someone else fulfilling their destiny. Oh my goodness, it's the best thing ever. But guess what? We all are God's destiny for the harvest. All of us. Romans 10:14 through 15, we're messengers, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him. These are people that are lost. And how can they, the harvest, believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Love it. It's our purpose, it's our mission. But it's more than a mission. It's a commission. It's a co-mission. That's why all the pressure's off. It's a partnership with the Holy Spirit. So let me show you today as we finish how to partner with the Holy Spirit to reap the harvest. Amen? How to partner with the Holy Spirit to reach the harvest and to impact people. And I believe a lot of it's found right in this, another, this portion of uh, scripture we're gonna talk about, Matthew 20, Verses one through seven, I love this. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage. Now, let me just say this. The kingdom of heaven is right here. It's not just something that we're gonna go to later. The kingdom of heaven has fallen down to earth and it's right now, right here in this earth. You guys believe that? It's here now, right? The kingdom of heaven. So he agreed to pay the normal wage and sent them out to work, love it. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon, again, at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. Look at verse one, and I'll roll three things out to you that I believe will help you reach the harvest. Matthew 20, verse one, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. If you want to be a part of the harvest, you just gotta show up early. Just show up early. Come on. Now, now, think early and act early. It's not a time thing, it's a mind thing. It's not a time thing, it's a mind thing. When you wake up, you think harvest first, not just ham and eggs, not just a latte. Again, those are good things, but show up early, think early, think harvest early. Right after I served my life to Jesus, I showed up to work early for Jesus. I didn't have to go to some school or seminary or special conference. I'm here for the harvest. I'm here for my father's business. Well, I got that example from Jesus. Jesus got an early start in life. At a young age, he makes the statement after choosing to go to work for God instead of going home with his parents, Luke 2:49. Jesus said to them, remember he got lost, they, they left him behind, he was lost. It was a whole fiasco they were worried about him, but they found him teaching and learning in the, in, the, in the church at like 12 or 13. He said to them, why did you seek me? Did, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? This wasn't a snotty remark from a teenager. This was a burning call and purpose to reach a harvest of people. He understood his purpose early. And when you understand your purpose early, you can't help but fulfill it. I love what Charles Spurgeon writes. I love this. Let a man believe that God has set him to do a particular work, and you may sneer at him. What does he care? He would give as much for your sneer as he would for your smile. And that is nothing at all. He believes God intends him to do the work. You say no, but he never asks you for your vote upon the question. He has received God's message as he thinks, as he goes, and you cannot deter him. Hey, it's never too late to show up early. It's never too late to show up early. A couple days ago, we were called to the hospital to uh, Missy Johnson's mom uh, wasn't doing well, and we uh, said, "Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go." And, and uh, suddenly and I made it there. Her mom, 92, going to be 93. She wasn't doing well. You could tell that, that she was having a hard time breathing. And, and, uh, and I said, well, Missy, does she know Jesus? And she said, I, I don't know. And that's enough for me to know what I need to do. I laid my hands on her as she's in this state. And I, said, I said, Donna, um, I'm Pastor Dan. I know you can hear me. You know, I know he, she can hear me because her spirit. <laughs> Remember, the bodies don't last forever. The spirit lives forever. The spirit is alive. Whether her spirit knows Jesus or not, that spirit hears me. So I said, I said, Donna, this is Pastor Dan. You don't know me. I'm I'm the handsome one. No, I didn't say. That. I, said, I said, I said, I said, you. I said. Um, I'm gonna tell you about Jesus, he loves you, he died for you, I gave her the gospel right there. Um, I said, will you just receive Jesus right now uh, in this moment? And so Emily prayed, she prayed a better prayer than me. She prayed this awesome prayer, similar, but it was a woman to woman, and she's given her the gospel and two times gave her the gospel as she's there in that state, and all of a sudden we sat back, we grabbed Missy and held on to her, and and, uh, we all were there together, and we began to pray. And I'm, my eyes are open, just watching. And uh, Emily all of a sudden speaks up in the middle of this prayer and she speaks to the spirit of Donna. She said, I speak to your spirit, Donna, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And when she did that, the room filled with peace. And she said that she saw Donna's spirit Come out and be ushered by angels into heaven. I'll tell you, I didn't, isn't that awesome? I didn't I didn't see anything because I'm not as spiritual as her, but I felt something. Oh my goodness, I felt the very presence of God in that room. It's never too late to show up early for the harvest. At 92 and a half, Donna. Went to be with Jesus. I know it. Missy knew it. We just thank God for His awesome sovereign plan to bring all of us together and to witness that. Isn't that amazing. Come on. That's what happens when you give your heart to Jesus and you pass on to, to, to heaven. Angels come. It's gonna be okay. And the angels come to say, "Come on, can't wait for you to see Jesus' powerful moment." But our mindset is harvest. Wherever we go, we wanna think harvest early. You guys still here? Psalm 5.3 says this, David's life, I love this. He says, at each and every sunrise, God, you'll hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire. To fall upon my heart. Man, I love that. See, when you take a moment with God, you receive your mission from God. If you don't take a moment with God, you're gonna be confused about your mission from God. And this mission is possible, it's simple. It's you with a message of hope and encouragement to bring to your world, your sphere of influence. It's simply making ourselves available to God and many times without even knowing it. Oh my goodness. Without even knowing it. Gave my heart to the Lord in 1994. Deer in the headlights, didn't know what I was doing but I love God, he changed my life. I'm like, this is, I love this. I've got peace and joy. I feel like I have purpose again. So I was working at the Amway Corporation and, and uh, you know, probably a couple thousand people roaming through this complex on a daily basis. Well, I got into a Bible study. There's about maybe six or seven people in this Bible study. There was a, there was a young, young gal in this Bible study. Her name was Mary and she was there once, didn't really even meet her. That night, I went home and I heard this incredible testimony of, of, a, of a, a mom who um, early on in life when she was young had an abortion. And this mom had been tormented for years of shame and you name it, everything that goes along with, with the, what the devil does when, when, when that might happen. She just didn't tell anybody. This was this this testimony. But all of a sudden, one night, God gave her a dream of her child in heaven. She knew it was her daughter. She was it looked just like her. And in a moment, this, this testimony was like, she felt free that God loved her. And she'll see her daughter once again. So I thought, this is so cool. I just, I gotta tell somebody. So I'm a messenger. I'm walking down the hall and I see Mary. I said, Mary, how you doing? Hey, you are coming to Bible study? But I gotta share this really quick testimony in the story. And as I'm sharing this message, she begins to cry. And she walks away abruptly. I thought, doggone it, I'm not good at this yet. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to help people, Lord, but I'll get better. I thought I offended her. Well, weeks went by, she didn't come to the Bible study. I thought, oh, great. I stink. And all of a sudden, I see her maybe weeks later and she pulls me aside and she goes, she looked different by the way. She goes, oh, I gotta tell you something. She goes, that story you told me wrecked me in a good way. I've never told anybody. She says, I had an abortion and I've been living with shame. Been living in pain for all these years because I couldn't, felt I couldn't tell anybody. And the moment you said that, God did something in my heart. And she she says, I'm happy, I'm joyful, because I know one day I'll see my child. And I said, oh my goodness. I was part of the harvest when I didn't even know it. (laughs) I did not know what I was doing. That's the beauty of God preparing people I'm just living my life, but I was a messenger, my friends. So show up early. Say show up early. And number two, show up expecting. Show up expecting. God is committed to your expectation. God is looking for people who have expectation. See, when the landowner went out to get workers, he found people waiting, standing around doing nothing. Let me read that again. Matthew 20, verse three through five. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went out to work at the vineyard at noon again at three o'clock and he did the same thing. He went out, sawing pe- saw people doing nothing. Listen, this is what I know. They weren't lazy because they were there. They weren't lazy. It wasn't about lazy or lethargy. That, that, that's not what this is about because how many of you would hire a lazy person? <laughs> you wouldn't, right? They wouldn't even be in your midst. You're usually home sleeping in. They just needed, they were just unemployed. They just needed direction and purpose. They were waiting and anticipating even late in the day. They were expecting. They didn't know what would happen. They just hoped something would happen. And if they didn't have hope, they wouldn't have been there. They would have been sleeping in. They would have been hiding. They just needed purpose and by the way, way to go you guys. Way to go search and rescue team for Northern Michigan. You're expecting. You showed up early, 9 o'clock service, and guess what you're, you're expecting? You wouldn't be here if you didn't have purpose. You would not be here, my friends. I'm not judging anybody who isn't here. They may, they may have be out of town, but you know what? You are here because you're expecting something. I know it. I know it. They just needed direction. And I love it that the, that the owner didn't ask for their qualifications, credentials, experience, or talents. <laughs> They're just standing there twiddling their thumbs. But I believe with all my heart they were expecting. They were expecting. See, expectation is a powerful thing. It will cause you, listen, expectation Will cause you to do something about it. About what? Whatever you want. (laughs) Whatever you want in life, expectation, hope, looking forward, will actually cause you to do something about it. One day, Anna Lynn is in third grade. She meets Sydney. She likes Sydney a lot. She wanted something. Annalyn wanted to be Sydney's friend. Sydney didn't know Jesus. She wanted Sydney to know what she knew, so Annalyn invited her to church. Sydney not only gives her heart to Jesus, but she gets filled with the Spirit. In other words, she came home on fire. That shocked her mom, who was not a believer. One day we talked with her mom. And her mom comes to church with her sister. Both give their hearts to God, both serving Jesus today along with their entire families. Because one little third grade girl had an expectation and had a want in her to have her friend come to know Jesus. But it wasn't over from there. Come on, it's never never over with God. One day, Annalyn and Sydney, in third grade begin to team up and see a little boy who they like. But they knew he didn't know Jesus. So what did they do? They wanted to bring him the good news. So they actually, what they did is they practiced on a tree together. This is what we're gonna say. When he comes around, we're gonna say this and we're gonna say that. Well, guess what? They asked him to come to church. He gave his heart to Jesus. Come on, that fired them up. They were on a mission because expectation creates expectation. Come on, I want you guys to to expect our next event, our Thanksgiving community dinner. Let me just say this, you're hired. You're hired. The 40 of you that have not signed up to help, you're hired. (laughs) By the way, we might as well take 80. 80. Because in that moment, you're going to see people that you've never seen before in our community and you're going to be able to rub shoulders with them. You're going to be able to get around them. Maybe you're going to be able to pray for them. You're going to encourage them. You're going to serve them. You're hired. That's right around the corner. By the way, uh, you can sign up at the info at center. The, <laughs> I expect today at least 40 people to sign up just to let you know. Um, you guys, you're the search and rescue team we need each other we need you our ladies Christmas event I just saw a number we almost got 400 people coming already signed up it's gonna be a huge there's usually 600 people hearing the good news you're hired you're hired guys we need your help we we, we need, we need people right we always need people come on guys show up with a nice black suit a bow tie we get to serve these ladies show them at the time of their life we need you go sign up you're hired I love our church, the people. What we've done as a church, I'm not bragging about our church because all churches do great things, but our church, through events, concerts, conferences that impact people, hundreds baptized, hundreds saved, thousands of dollars into our communities over the years because of our our big give. By the way, that's coming up. These are just ways we reach people. Say big give. I love the big give. We've been able to give to our fire department, law enforcement, a veterans park, various things within our communities. It's awesome. Matter of fact, I'm really excited about our next big give, which is we get to bless our school systems. Yeah, there you go. Good. Because I believe this is gonna be the biggest offering we'll ever take, <laughs> I'm believing for, this year. So we get to bless our our school system. Not only the students that, if you knew some stats of, of homeless students, students that don't have food, students that need something as little as uh, a deodorant, um, they're 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 it, they're there, guys, they're there. But guess guess who gets them about eight hours a day? Our teachers. Man, do we need to pray for our teachers? But but they're not they they are not just teachers. You know what they are? Parents, counselors, coaches, they are wearing multiple hats these days because of the breakdown of, of society, you guys. So man, we need to bless our teachers and our students in a way. So I'm, I'm firing you up because I want you to reach into your neighbor's pocketbook or wallet like and give like you always wanted to give when we had that big give. <laughs> Just... But, but think about the impact that, that, that our teachers can make. Come on, think about what they can do with your kids and kids that are struggling. So we're putting together a plan to take a big give and to make it as effective as we can in our school systems. Amen? So dream, because I know that this is a big, huge door for us to bless people and a door for us just to simply say thank you and uh, sow some seeds. You guys good with that? So get ready, be around. We'll we'll share more of of that particular big give this year. Every year we do it. We do it because guess what? There's a harvest out there and we, we, we we need to be the labors and the harvest, the workers. See, Every time you give, every time we serve, every time we pray, every time we do something in Jesus' name, I expect God to do more than I could ever ask or imagine. If you wanna be a part of the harvest, just show up expecting. And lastly, if you wanna be a part of the harvest, show up now. Say show up now. The best time to do something worthwhile is between yesterday and tomorrow. Say it again. The best time to do something worthwhile is between yesterday and tomorrow. Show up now in the present. That's why it's called the present. It's a gift. 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6 says this. For God is one, and there's one mediator between God and the sons of men, the true man, Jesus, the anointed one. He gave himself as ransom payment for everyone. Now, say now, is the proper time for God to give the world this witness. Now is the time. Now, now, when this was written, there was about 300 million people on the planet. Now we're pushing about 8 billion. How much more now is it important? Come on, show up now. See, we don't have to wait for revival. We can create revival. John 4:35 says this. It says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, nuh-uh, Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. That's all right. You can clap. Thank you. Isn't that good? People are waiting. People are ready. Look around you. You're the search and rescue team for Northern Michigan. People are being harassed by your enemy, by your enemy. People were never created to live in darkness. People cannot thrive in the dark. Without God, there's only continual frustration, perpetual emptiness. The harvest is ready. People are desperate. And I believe we're on the verge of something great that God wants to happen. Amen? That's why you're here. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. You know, you're connected to one, two, five, 10 people that you know of right now. Man, I've been praying for them. Man, I'm gonna go and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say something. But here's where I wanna start. I wanna start with a prayer. This is our prayer that we need to pray today and it comes right out of this verse and, and I'm done Matthew 9, Look at look at what Jesus said I wanna follow his, his uh, example when he, Jesus, saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd there's two things I see here for number one, we gotta prayer, we gotta got pray a prayer for God to open our eyes when He saw the harvest. See, many of us go around in different places and we just don't see it. But God, open up our eyes and illuminate those who are ripe for the harvest. So the first part is open my eyes to the harvest. Let me see those who are ready. Let me see the ones you're drawing to you. And secondly, Lord, open up my heart for the harvest. Look at that verse again. He had compassion on them. We'll never reach the harvest until we have compassion for them until we realize that they're lost and frustrated. It doesn't matter who they are. It could, be the, it could be the person that you think has it all together. I guarantee if they don't have Jesus, they don't. It could be the marriage that looks so good on the outside. I guarantee it's not happy and peaceful without Jesus. I guarantee you that people are hurting, but they're waiting because we not only show up early, We show up expecting, we show up now. So we're gonna finish right here. And I just want you to just take a moment and just just bear your heart before God. And I want you just to think about what part you play in this whole harvest what is the gift that you bring what is what is your personality who has God connected to you what part of the marketplace are you in right what 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 are you what are you doing right now and say God I'm right here I'm called in this place and Lord I'm called for the harvest Two step prayer. Close your eyes for a moment. Give your heart to him as you just say these two things. Say, Lord, open up my eyes to the harvest. And say, Lord, open up my heart for the harvest. God, we're yours. Send us, lead us, guide us to the one, to the two, to the five, to the 10. We're ready. We're yours in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. We love you.